The following message was presented during the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministries 2017 Prophecy Conference season. Now here's David Levy with a message from Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, Daniel's prayer for his people. Well, take your Bible, if you haven't turned there, and turn to Daniel chapter 9, and it's Daniel's prayer for his people. A very appropriate message today, especially in the day that we are living and what's happening here in the United States. Now, when you look at the prophet Daniel, Daniel is one of the greatest men in the Bible. When you look at his personality, it was godly. When you look at his prophecy, it was completely from God who gave him the revelation when you look at his politic, it was the wisdom of God and the way he answered Nebuchadnezzar and others. And uh, he was a man of prayer. And when you look at uh, Daniel, you see that he was submitted to the will of God. He was sympathetic for his people because he interceded for their deliverance from exile he was a man who was sensitive to the times in which he was living, spiritually and physically and politically. He was saturated, saturated with the Word of God. The Scripture was there before him. He knew the plan of God and he knew the purpose of God as it was being revealed through him. And uh, he was a man that was very humble sought God daily, was a man of prayer, and he was surrendered himself as well because he confessed his own sins as well as Israel's. And uh, really the secret of his whole life and ministry was one of prayer. Now when you look at uh, the book of Daniel, you think of prophecy, but uh, I think you'd be surprised how much prayer is in this book. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, portions given over to prayer. Daniel chapter 6, portions given over to prayer. Daniel chapter 9, the first 19 verses here, given over to prayer. And then you look at Daniel chapter 10, and prayer is very significant there. And so it's a time of prayer for Daniel through this whole book, and it's a prayer for his nation. Now, there are three main points that we want to look at this morning. We want to see Daniel's perception, we want to see Daniel's prayer, and we want to see Daniel's plea in his prayer as we look at the first 19 verses of this chapter. Now, the first thing you see here in verse 1 is the period. It's the first year of Darius, and that would be uh, 538 B.C. We're going 67 years down the road from the time of uh, Nebuchadnezzar's invasion of Jerusalem and then the captivity. And uh, Daniel... Well, how old was he? Maybe 18 to 20 years of age. And so he's in his mid-80s, at least by this time. And so he's not a young man. And uh, this is really a chapter of how to pray for 
your nation or any nation. Now you'll notice the prophet in verse 2, it says here, is reading uh, Jeremiah, and it was written a generation before his time. And if you turn over to uh, um, Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 11, there's some very interesting things that are mentioned here concerning the nation of Israel and what's going to happen to the nation of Israel. And uh, God lays it all out here. He says in verse uh, 11 of chapter 25, And this whole land shall be a desolation and a horror, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. And so Daniel's reading this about the 70-year uh, captivity that is about to take place, started in 605 B.C., went to 538 B.C., and they were soon to be freed a couple years later. And um, Daniel is considering the Scripture here, and it's making a great impression upon him. And then you'll notice in verse 2 here the promise and if you read on verse 12 and 13 of chapter uh, 25, here's how it reads. And it shall come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it uh, perpetual desolation. And I will bring upon the land all the words which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in the book which Jeremiah hath prophesied against all the nations. And so Daniel is reading this, and it leaves a big impression upon him. And then if you'll turn over to um, Jeremiah chapter 29, and if you drop down to verse 10 and following, these are some very interesting words as well. And Daniel's reading this. For thus saith the Lord, after seventy years are accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return even unto this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn your captivity and I will gather you from the nations and from all the places which I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again unto the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. And so as Jeremiah is reading this, you can just imagine his expectation, how his heart is pounding, how he can realize that Israel is about ready to be delivered from captivity. And so with that, Daniel is going to go to prayer. And his prayer is magnificent. It's a prayer that you need to outline, 
and study and pattern your prayer for the nation that we live in and other nations as well, and you will see a blessing here. And Daniel gives us the prototype of how to pray for our nation. Now, Daniel's prayer is uh, mentioned here in verses 3 through 15. And you see his preparation in verse 3. Notice, I set my face unto the Lord, and so he set his face to seek the Lord. That's very important. It's one thing to go to prayer and just kind of haphazardly go to prayer, but it's another thing to seek your face, to seek the Lord. And this is what uh, Daniel did. Now notice his prayer. It's one of uh, interceding and supplication or entreating God for mercy. And so when he's going to prayer, he's really interceding. And uh, this is how he's going to do it. And when you look at it, well, there is a definite way that Daniel approached prayer for Israel who was in captivity. First, he prayed with understanding. He knew the prophetic word of God. Second, he prayed always, and I already mentioned that, through this book, he is in continual prayer. He prayed without fainting. He did not lose heart. Steve was uh, teaching us about Daniel in the lion's den, and uh, we know that he did not faint there. He did not lose heart, but he went to prayer, sought God for deliverance. And he, pre- he prayed wisely, knowing the will of God. So he knew the prophecy, he knew the will of God, and so he could pray intelligently for his people. Now another way he prayed, he says, it says here, he prayed with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Uh, He prepared himself thoroughly uh, in his contrition of heart as he sought the Lord. And so there's great preparation just mentioned here in verse 3 for Daniel as he's going to prayer. Now, notice his prayer in verse 4. He said, I prayed to the Lord. That's Jehovah God. And this is used seven times in Daniel chapter 9. We're not going to take time to go through it, but as you study this on your own, notice how many times he says, I prayed to the Lord, I prayed to the Lord, I prayed to the Lord. And he calls him my God. He's living in a country filled with idolatry, many gods, and uh, he's saying, I'm praying to my God. And then notice he made confession, not only for Israel's sins, like um, Ezra and Nehemiah had done as well, but he's going to uh, pray and confess his own sins, as we will see in a few moments. But this is the first step. When he went to prayer, he set himself properly, and then he confessed sin, so that he is eliminating sin from his life, preparing himself uh, before God 
before he really tells him the request that's upon his heart. And notice uh, what he says here, too. He's going before a great and awesome God. And Steve brought that out, uh, you know, in Daniel chapter uh, 6, when he was talking, God is awesome and he is great. And then he mentions, too, here in verse 4, it's God who keeps commandment and mercy. This word mercy is chesed in Hebrew, and it really means God's steadfast love. So it's speaking about God's faithfulness as he goes to prayer. So he's reminding God, God, we, we count you as faithful. We know you are faithful. And then finally in verse 4, uh, them that keep his commandment. He's saying, God, you are faithful in your mercy, but you're also faithful to those who keep your commandments. So we who follow the Lord Jesus Christ walk in his way. We see God is merciful. We see God as a covenant-keeping God. But we also know if we walk with clean hands, clean heart before the Lord, we realize that he will be faithful unto us and be a blessing, and he will direct us on how we should walk. Then in uh, verses 5 and 6, you'll notice here the pro pronouncement. Uh, it's a prayer of confession. Now, we already mentioned uh, that Daniel confessed the, the sins of himself and those of Israel, but here it spells it out. And so the prayer of confession is in verses really 5 through 14, but here is his pronouncement. He says, we have sinned and committed iniquity, wickedness, and rebellion. Notice how he says it. Iniquity, wickedness, and rebellion. And uh, it's surprising. Uh, Daniel, a man of prayer. Daniel, uh, a man who followed God. Daniel, who received the revelation from God. Daniel... Uh, who you would think was an example to all of Israel and to really the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar as well, he says, I include myself as being one who is filled with iniquity and wickedness and rebellion. Daniel, a righteous man, includes himself in the prayer for Israel. And uh, he goes on to say here in verse 6, Neither have we hearkened unto the prophets. Prophet after prophet was sent. Uh, major prophets, minor prophets, to the household of Israel, to the household of Judah, telling them repent or judgment was going to come. What did they do? They did not hearken, but they turned their back upon the prophet. And so Daniel mentions this. We have not uh, hearkened unto the prophets. Now notice his profession in verses 7 through 9. He says, uh, Lord, righteousness belongs unto thee, out un of thee. And we come and uh, confess uh, our heart to you, Lord, 
and he's saying here, Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of face, in verse 7. Now, this word confusion really means shame of face. He says, uh, our face is full of shame. Our, our whole nation is full of shame. You are righteous, Lord, but we are shame, shameful. And then to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel have been driven afar off. He's saying, in our shamefulness and in our sins, what have you done, Lord? Driven us all off, afar off. Well, especially the ten tribes of Israel. You remember prophet after prophet was sent unto them, but they didn't hearken unto the voice of the prophet. And in 722 B.C., the Assyrians came down upon the ten tribes and destroyed them, took the aristocrats back to Assyria, left the poor people, a remnant of them, in the land. And Gentiles came down and married them, and they became the Samaritan people. But the inhabitants of Jerusalem and Israel, the thing, same thing happened when uh, uh, Judah would not hearken unto the Lord, and God sent prophet after prophet to them. Nebuchadnezzar came in 606 B.C., and then took them captive beginning in 605 B.C. that we've mentioned throughout this prophecy conference many times. And again, he says in verse 8, we have sinned. But then God belongs mercy and forgiveness. We have rebelled in verse 9, he says, but God, mercy and forgiveness belongs unto you. So here he is uh, making really a profession in his prayer. And then as you move down to verses 10 through 15, you'll notice the problem that uh, he mentions. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord in verse 10. Again, we've ignored the warning of the prophets. All Israel, he says in verse 11, has transgressed. There's no exception. He says, all of Israel is transgressed against you, God. And then uh, he also mentions that the curse is poured upon us in verse 11. The curse was poured upon us. And you'll remember that there are two chapters in the Bible called the blessing, cursing chapters of the Bible, or Leviticus chapter 26, and then Deuteronomy chapter 28. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, the first 14 verses deal with blessing on the household of Israel. And in verse 1 it says, I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, says Moses. And then, then they shall be blessed. And he says, blessed will be the fruit of your body. Blessed will be your cattle. Blessed will be your storehouse. And he goes on and on and mentions blessing after blessing. Israel, you'll be the head of all nations and not the tail. Uh, then by the time you get to verse 15, it begins with a but. And a but always shows a contrast. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord, 
thy God to observe to do all his commandments, his statutes, which I've commanded thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And so you see a shift. And the bud always shows a contrast, as I said. And through the rest of the chapter, curses are mentioned that are going to come upon the household of Israel. Somebody has estimated 200 curses here. I don't know, I haven't counted them. But uh, one verse really stands out above all, and that's verse 37 in Deuteronomy 28. Now listen how it reads. And thus saith, uh, 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 And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations to which the Lord shall lead thee. And so God is saying here to Israel, the nations are going to be astonished at you. You, Israel, who had the true worship of God. You, Israel, that have the word of God. You, Israel, that had the temple of God. And then judgment came upon you, and the nations are awestruck. They're astounded at what has happened to you. Here is a people so blessed by God, and now look at the destruction that came upon them. And they said they would be a proverb and a byword among all nations. Stories and jokes would be made about the Jewish people. And down through the centuries, that has been the case. So Israel, blessed at one time, curses came upon them, the nations astounded. And so uh, Daniel mentions this, curse is poured out upon us. And he says, goes on to say in verse 12, He, that's God, hath confirmed His word. It's written in the law of Moses. It's been confirmed we have lived it out, we have experienced it, and uh, yet in our prayer we have not come before God, and we not come, there's no repentance, there's no revival without repentance, and there is no restoration without repentance. And so we make prayer to God, but there's no repentance, says Daniel. Well, it goes on to say in verse 14, The Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. God kept the calamity ready to fall. God in righteousness uh, really worked in all his works to do what was right and what we deserve. And that's, in essence, what uh, Daniel is saying here about God. It's an interesting verse over in Genesis chapter 18, verse uh, 25, speaking about Abraham, what Abraham said about God when uh, judgment came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. He says that God is the one who always does right. And then, in a sense, Daniel is, uh, he is mouthing this as well. He is saying, yes, uh, God, you are the one that always does right. 
And then the Lord brought thy people out of Egypt. He reminds them of the deliverance from Egypt in verse 15. And we have done wickedly. So he's reflecting back in all that God has done for the nation through all of the uh, uh, generations and centuries. And then he says, uh, Lord, with all of this, we have gone off into wickedness. That's why judgment has come upon us. Well, you'll notice in verses 16 through 19 here what Daniel's plea is. Uh, he's had a prayer, and the plea is still a prayer, but it takes a little different form. The appeal to God is for righteousness. According to all thy righteousness... Uh, God owes uh, Israel nothing. Uh, God has brought judgment properly upon Israel, Daniel's saying. Anger and fury and his wrath. Daniel's asking, God, turn it away. And th this is the first request he's coming to God for and pleading to God. God, turn your wrath away. And in essence, he's going to say, uh, Lord, deliver us. And from thy city, Jerusalem, and thy holy mountain. He's really requesting that uh, you'll bring, take away your wrath from Jerusalem. And uh, he's going on to say here, he's appealing to God for relief. So he appealed to God for righteousness. He's appealing to God for relief in verse 17. Hear the prayer of thy servant. It's a strong, urgent request from Daniel. And uh, he's not asking it for Daniel's sake. He is saying, for thy sake, God, for thy sake, uh, renew your honor in the eyes of the pagan Babylonians by answering my prayer and delivering my people. And then in verse 18, you'll notice an appeal to God uh, for his uh, reception of his prayer and the people. Incline thy ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations. Um, take a look, Father, and look at uh, what has come upon us. Acknowledge this, receive us. Open our eyes and behold our desolation. And not for our righteousness, again, he's asking it. Israel, it's not for you, I'm asking, but Israel, it's for God and his righteousness. But for thy great mercy, this is what his plea is. And then in verse 19, the appeal is to God's recognition. He's appealing to God to recognize uh, his prayer and to recognize his people. And he goes on to say here, O Lord, hear, forgive, hearken, do, defer not. And in essence, he's bringing his prayer to culmination by asking God to hear, forgive, hearken, do, and don't. Uh, defer what I'm requesting for you to do. 
And uh, so again, he says, it's for thy own sake, not for our sake. And for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Again, um, he's saying to God, you know, we're called by your name. Uh, Father, do this for your glory. Do this for your reputation. Do this for your glory throughout the nations. And, uh, you know, if you'll read through this in uh, the time that you study it, in verses 16 through 19, notice how many times he mentions thy, for thy name, for thy glory. He mentions thy for or your 17 times throughout the verses 16 through 19. Well, this is a great prayer. Uh, this is a prayer that uh, we can follow ourselves. And it's uh, preparing uh, Israel for what is going to come in the verses that follow when God lays out his program and plan for the nation of Israel. But before we close, in conclusion, I'd just like to mention a couple of thoughts here when it comes to how we could reflect this on the United States. Remember, there's a verse of scripture God gave to Solomon. It's in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Most of us almost have that memorized. We think of that often. We use that in application for our country, even though it's not specifically mentioned for our country, but for Israel. And uh, here's how it goes. It's, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then God says he'll hear from heaven, he'll heed and he'll heal. Now let me just go through that and give you some handles on how to study that. First of all, he's saying it's a relationship. If my people who are called by my name, God is saying, if my people, we who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are his people, we can start to pray for our nation like Daniel was praying for the nation of Israel. Uh, the requirements, though, notice, submission to God, humble yourself. Notice, seek the Lord, seek my face. That means consecration, time, and effort. It's following the same pattern as Daniel was doing. Uh, means separation, turn from their wicked ways. And then God says, what's he going to do? He's going to respond. And how is he going to respond? Well, he's going to hear. And that means God hears everything. He's sovereignly in control of everything. He knows all things. He's omniscient. But it has the idea he's going to bend his ear down to take special notice and listen to the prayer. And then he's going to heed the prayer. He's going to bring forgiveness. And this is all what Daniel was asking. God, we've sinned against you. We've been rebellious. 
uh, we have been wicked. We have not done what is right. Father, hear and heed. And so God says he's going to heed or forgive their sins. And then he's going to bring healing to the land. Uh, isn't this what we need today? I mean, it's right here. It's all in the Word. We take the application to our own life and apply it to our own. We want God to hear our prayer for uh, what's happening now in the country. We want God to heed, to forgive our sins. And we want God to heal our land. And our land needs healing like never before. Well, in... Uh, Closing, priority is prayer. And it preceded the prophecy of, uh, uh, of what's coming uh, in a few moments. You're going to hear another message which really is the essence of prophecy when it comes to the book of Daniel and what's going to happen in the future with the nation of Israel. Now, in, in closing to... I'd like to give you uh, just five statements concerning prayer. You can write down, and when you go to prayer, be conscious of these statements. First of all, pray with serious concentration. Serious concentration. Second, pray with steadfast confidence. Really seek God's face. And be confident that he's going to hear you. Steadfast confidence. And then pray with sincere confession. Confession of our sins. Confession of the sins of our country. Pray with sincere uh, confession. And then pray with spiritual concern. Not just glibly praying like we mumble through a prayer, oh Lord, just to save those who are going through this and that, but really with a spiritual concern that you want to see uh, really justice brought, you want to see sins forgiven, you want to see healing brought to the land, and then fifthly, uh, pray with a spirit of concentration. Be focused on what you're praying for. It's so easy to let our minds wander <laughs> off and, uh, and then, oops, we've got to come back in what we're praying for. But if you will kind of go through these five things when you pray, fix them in your mind and let God bring blessing to your life with pure hands, clean heart, and then as you pray for our nation, God will bring blessing and healing. We're hoping for that to happen. For more audio resources, including MP3 downloads of past prophecy conferences, visit us at foi.org.